0: Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue in our journey through Moses' speech in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak with the troops. He will say to them, listen to me. All of you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is going to be with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. No matter what we face or what battles we have ahead, we can trust God. We have God, and we can rely on him. We can trust him, and we can have faith that he will be with us and help us through the battles. In verse 5. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, Has anyone here just built a new house, but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in battle, and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone here just planted a vineyard, but not yet eaten any of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle, and someone else would eat the first fruit." Has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in the battle and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. It's like, don't have fear. Trust God and believe God is with you. And if you have fear, move along so the fear doesn't spread. In verse 9, when the officers have finished speaking to their troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the towns. When the Lord your God hands down the towns over to you, Use your swords to kill every man in the town, but you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may also enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you, but these instructions apply only to the distant towns, not to the towns of nations in the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God has given you as a special possession, destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, just as the Lord your God had commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are attacking a town in the war, and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes, You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies, that you should attack them? You may only cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. So God cares about the trees. He cares about nature. He cares about His creation. Every part of His creation, God cares about. He's like, save the trees. Don't be wasteful and just chop them all down. Then He continues in chapter 21, verse 1. When you are in the land of the Lord your God, that the Lord your God is giving you, someone may be found murdered in a field, and you don't know who committed the murder. In such a case, your elders and judges must measure the distance from the site of the crime of the nearby towns. When the nearest town has been de- determined, that town's elders must select from the herd a heifer that has never been trained or yoked to a plow. They must lead it down to a valley that has not been plowed or planted and that has a, steam running through it, a stream running through it. There in the valley, they must break the heifer's neck. Then the Levitical priests must step forward. For the Lord your God has chosen chosen them to minister before him, and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name. They are to decide all legal and criminal cases. The elders of the town must wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken. Then they must say, Our hands did not shed this person's blood, nor did we see it happen. O Lord, forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. Do not charge your people with the guilt of murdering an innocent person. Then they will be absolved of the guilt of the person's blood. By following these instructions, you will do what is right in the Lord's sight and cleanse the guilt of the murder from your community. So here we're focusing on murder, and murder disrespects human life. It, and the life should be respected, and the dignity of others should be respected. And God cares about life, in human life specifically. In verse ten. Suppose you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God hands them over to you and you take some of them as captives. And suppose you see among your captives a beautiful woman and you are attracted to her and want to marry her. If this happens, you may take her to your home. And when she, she must shave her head and cut her nails and change the clothes that she was wearing when she was captured. She will stay in your home, but let her mourn for her father and mother for a full month. Then you may marry her. And you will be her husband, and she will be your wife. But if you marry her, and she does not please you, you must let her go free. You must not sell her or treat her as a slave, for you have humiliated her. Suppose a man has two wives, but he loves one and not the other, and both of them have given him sons. And suppose the firstborn son is the son of the wife he does not love. When the man divides his inheritance, he may not give the larger inheritance to his younger son the son of the wife he loves, as if he were the firstborn son. He must recognize the rights of his oldest son, the son of the wife he does not love, by giving him a double portion. He is the first son of his father's virility, and the rights of the firstborn belong to him. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders and as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you, and all of Israel will hear it and be afraid. If someone has committed a crime worthy of death and is executed and hung on a tree, the body must not remain hanging from the tree overnight. You must bury the body that same day, for anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. In this way, you will prevent defilement of the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. If you see your neighbor's ox or sheep or goat wandering away, don't ignore your responsibility. Take it back to its owner." If its owner does not live nearby and you don't know who the owner is, take it to your place and keep it until the owner comes looking for it. Then you must return it. Do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey, clothing, or anyone else your neighbor loses. Or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't ignore your responsibility. It's like today, if you find a lost dog, by all means, get it back to the owner. If you see your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road, do not look the other way. Go and help your neighbor and get it back on its feet. He's saying, do the right thing here. In verse 5, A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. So here he's saying, don't confuse God's character. God made man and woman in his own image and in his perfect character. And men and women together complete God's character and God's image. We all have a part to play in the world, and we all reflect God, and he doesn't want his character confused and muddled up. That being said, this doesn't give anyone a right or a way to treat other people harshly. In the New Testament, Jesus says the greatest command is to love people. If we're not showing people love in the character of God, how can we expect them to come to Christ? It is not our job or our position to criticize people or condemn people. God says over and over that judgment is His, not ours. We are called to love people and show them the compassion of Christ. In verse 6, If you happen to find a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground, and there are young ones or eggs in it with the mother sitting on the nest, do not take the mother with the young. You may not take the young, but let the mother go, or you may take the young, but let the mother go so that you may prosper and enjoy a long life. So here we see he he has a respect for life, and even the birds are protected. In verse 8, when you build a new house, you must build a railing around the edge if it's a flat roof. That way, you will not be considered guilty of murder if someone falls from the roof. You must not plant any other crop between rows of your vineyard. If you do, you are forbidden to use either the grapes from the vineyard or the other crop. So you, you must not plow with an ox and donkey harnessed together. You must not wear clothing made of wool and linen woven together. And you must not put ta- or you must put four tassels on the hem of your cloak, which you cover yourself, and the front, back, and sides. And this is a living example that Israel was to live separately from the paganism in the lands that they're about to enter. They're not supposed to combine or intermingle. They're supposed to live separate, separately. In verse thirteen. Suppose a man marries a woman, but after sleeping with her, he turns against her and publicly accuses her of shameful conduct, saying, When I married this woman, I discovered that she was not a virgin. Then the woman's father and mother must bring the proof that her virginity of her virginity to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. Her father must say to them, I gave my daughter to this man to be his wife, and now he has turned against her. He has accused her of shameful conduct, saying, I discovered that your your daughter was not a virgin. But here is the proof of my daughter's virginity, and then they must spread her bedsheet before the elders. The elders must then take the man and punish him. They must also fine him a hundred pieces of silver, which he must pay to the woman's father, because he publicly accused a virgin of Israel of shameful conduct. The woman will then remain the man's wife, and he may never divorce her. But suppose the man's accusations are true, and he can show that she was not a virgin. The woman must be taken to the door of her father's home, and there the men of the town must stone her to death, for she has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents' home. In this way you will purge this evil from among you. If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the women must die. In this way you will purge Israel of such evil." Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin, who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within a town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. The man must die because he violated another man's wife. In this way you will purge this evil from among you. But if the man meets the engaged woman out of the country and he rapes her, then only the man must die. Do nothing with the one one young woman." She has committed no crime worthy of death. She is as innocent as a murder victim. Since the man raped her out in the country, it must be assumed that she screamed, but there was no one to rescue her. Suppose a man has intercourse with a young woman who is a virgin, but is not engaged to be married. If they are discovered, he must pay her father 50 pieces of silver. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her, and he may never divorce her as long as he lives. A man must not marry his father's former wife for this would violate his father. So we have a lot of regulations on keeping Israel pure. That's what it boils down to. God desires Israel to remain pure before God, to be set apart as God's chosen people reflecting the character and nature of God in when when God del- dwells with us. God is pure and holy and he is glorious and nothing there's no evil, even a tiny bit, that can be near God's gloriness in His holiness. There's absolutely nothing that can be allowed in the presence of God because He is so incredibly holy. And this is just guidelines of what it's going to take for Israel to remain holy so that they can remain with God. And we'll continue on through this speech tomorrow. Hope you all are having a great day.